Last night, uh, voters in San Francisco voted to recall three school board members. I'm wondering if the White House has any reaction to that result. Sure, we, of course, uh, did see that. Um, we don't have any reaction directly to the decision by the local school board, but... Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Well, welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. I'm here with my co-host, Comfortably Smug, and our other co-host in this three-man podcast, John Ashbrook. Wonderful to be here, Ah, It's a three-man show. It's a three-man show. It's a three-man show, and I know that Michael's going to be disappointed to hear that, but... um, Why isn't Duncan here? That's a great question. Um, I was going to ask you, because he's he's not sitting here. Uh, Do you know Smug? I guess we're like uh, just hardcore only conservatives allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Michael Duncan. The truth is, so many people are saying he's got COVID. Many people are saying that. Many people are saying that. He... um, you know, he took a weekend trip. I'm probably not at liberty to disclose exactly where he went, mm-hmm. but it was one of those places where you take kids mm-hmm. and there's like a million kids. Yeah, he told me about it the other day. He was like, yeah, you know, we took the kid. They were having a great time running around doing whatever, which, I mean, if, if you're at like one of these like children fun parks, that's like the ideal situation to be exposed. Well, to. I, it's like an incubator. If you were to create a place where tra- highly Touch transmissible. Touch all the surfaces, wipe your nose, kids, and get yeah. on the slide. Yeah, that's where you get it. And uh, and so, you know, our friend Michael, unfortunately, has come under some duress. Well, you know, he was very gracious towards Smug when you had. Yeah, yeah. Times, everyone right? tried. He, dunk- didn't, he didn't say anything but, about it. But see, here's my take is like he this is his first time. This is his first rodeo <laughs> with COVID. <laughs> like he must be one of these guys that's like triple masking out here and getting his daily vaccine. Just like oh, I'm very, very, very. So uh, is your serious. take the only the real ones? To only have- real ones. Catch it. Constantly, <laughs> And like, uh, I mean, name the strain. I, I've already, I've already been through that. Like, uh, I got it like pretty much as soon as it hit stateside. Yeah, I caught that Delta. I caught, uh, I caught the Delta. <laughs> I mean, God knows what variant I caught on the way back from Egypt. I'm like in the Air France lounge. Yeah, Charles de Gaulle, being like, <laughs> I hope I can get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, do you have any advice for him? Yeah, dude, it's. I mean, I don't know if you are someone who is immunocompromised or has comorbidities or whatever, but for folks who are who who, who are like your average average uh, American, that's ride it. It. just get over it. Just dude. ride it. Get over it. Fluids and Nyquil. Yeah, I mean, uh, just get some sleep. Chill. Just relax. You know, it's a free day. In my opinion, it's a free day. No one's allowed to call you and hit you up for anything. I see it as like a vacation day. Like, so, so I feel you like- can't ask me for any deliverables. <laughs> I have I have COVID. I have the pandemic. <laughs> well, um, I feel like in some ways, though, that you are sort of uh, a health advisor to the program in many ways because yeah. almost anything that any of us can get, you've had like within the last oh, yeah. six months. The reason for my uh, absence on Tuesday's program is that I got uh, some like norovirus situation, mm-hmm. which is like what I caught coming through the Charlotte airport. Yes, eating it- terrible <laughs> wet turkey at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the worst idea, right? But Holmes, you were 
you I was doubled me. over, pal. This is as bad as I've ever been yeah, in my adult life. I don't wish it on life, anyone. It is very life. bad. I could not move on Monday out of my bed, and all I could think of was your experience that you had yeah. coming back from North Carolina. So I'll pose the question. Having had uh, Rona three times and the norovirus within the last year and a half, which is worse? I'm I'm not saying this like uh, I, I, I I'm not I'm not going over the top with this, but I would seriously rather have the Rona ten times than than, than that again than one of it's twenty. Horrible. I mean, like it is it is really bad. It is an awful like, awful experience. Like in my all every time I've had COVID, it was like okay, I'm like tired, and that's that's generally the the majority of what I can complain about. When I had that, it was like, oh man, like death would be a lot better than this situation. <laughs> My body is trying to kill me. It's awful. I at one point really did think I was going to be taken from this. Yeah, area. yeah. I mean, I was I was praying out loud. Like, <laughs> I was like, please God, I do so much for you. Please heal me. <laughs> the good Lord's like. Mm. Uh, anyway, we'll get on with the program, but that's why Michael is missing. Uh, but we'll have him back next week, undoubtedly. I want to thank today's sponsor, Save Our States. We've got a great little interview that we'll get to with the guy who runs that, Trent England. We'll explain all of that uh, at the appropriate time. But let's get into our – oh, and our guest today is Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who's got some very provocative and interesting things to say, and I think people will enjoy that. Yeah, speaking of real ones. Yeah, no, he's got he some real it. takes, man. He's dropping it. He's got some real takes. You guys will love it. Uh, so, uh, should we read a five star or two? Let's, let's do it. Uh, you want to start or you want me to? I'll, I'll take this one. So this is from Turkey Tom 1776, a growing force for good. I've been listening to Ruthless now as soon as they drop. Long time smug follower since around 2017. Hell yeah. And America and young people need more content like Ruthless. I agree. <laughs> I think this show is the next big thing. Guys, if I'm lucky enough to have read, to have this read by you, I'm a young, recent college grad working in state politics and would love to help out the show any way I can. Wow. Let's reach out. That's awesome, man. Thanks for all you do, and keep up the excellent work. Cheers. That's great. That's great. This is a guy from Abilene, father to son. I'm an 80s-born, 90s-raised, middle-class kid from West Texas with a dad who traveled weekly for work and introduced me to Rush Limbaugh in late elementary school, like a lot of guys I know. Mm -hmm. Our dads were happy conservative warriors who worked hard, loved their wives, raised kids, coached baseball teams, never missed a piano recital, and set a path to envy imitate and admire god bless that it. is 100 percent it totally Dude, right. that is it right totally there. right 25 years later i have kids of my own and now i've had the chance to introduce him to the same man my dad he introduced him to the variety program amazing mm. oh man and so so he says and while the baptist roots may cause him to win at the occasional f-bombs the laughter we get from taking multiple multiple times a week of the program highlights is completely worth it you guys are doing the Lord's work, bringing joy to dads and sons. Keep it up. God oh, bless it. That is so great. Man, you these cannot reviews. cannot beat that. It these doesn't get better. We, we literally have the best audience. We really do. And we got to, you know, we're going to keep doing live events. I mean, like the one we had, I know you guys covered it on Tuesday, but I haven't gotten totally off my shoulders. I just had so much fun. It was incredible. Just a blast. The energy. And I mean, we got a lot to say. Everybody in this audience has a lot to say. I hope we keep doing these things. Um. Red Wave update. 
This is this is quite the red wave update. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't really on my radar. It, it, it like it kind of was. But what I'm talking about is the San Francisco recall elections mm-hmm. of the Board of Education there. And I think the reason it wasn't totally on our radar is because we're like at San Francisco. That's the thing. So a uh, friend of the program, Mike Solana, uh, put this on my radar where he he was talking about this situation of where even parents, parents, even in San Francisco, were fed up. And he was putting out this information about like what if some of these members of, of, of the San Francisco Board of Education were putting out there. And I mean, it was, I mean, there's insane lip takes and these guys were like off the handle Well, this is with so, their takes. So these are the people, if you recall, who first made news when they closed all of the schools and their first meeting, the only thing that they talked about was renaming the schools. Like so They were like, against Abraham Lincoln High School. Yeah. It, they were like, so kids not being allowed in classes is a given. They're like, but we're here for an important reason. Uh. We have to change the name Abraham Lincoln High School. Like this is their priority, but totally. it's but it's San Francisco. So you know, you, we know the red wave is big, but nobody thought it'd be this big. Yeah, and unbelievable what happened. So voters come out last night, and they overwhelmingly supported the ouster of three school board members. This is according to the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, in the city's first recall election in nearly forty. Years And by overwhelmingly, it, the vote was like 80-20 or 70-30. <laughs> like nobody's ever seen a vote this lopsided anywhere, much less San Francisco. It was a no-doubter, a no-doubter. A landslide decision means that board president Gabriela Lopez and members Allison Collins and Fuaga Maliga will officially be removed from office and replaced by mayoral appointments 10 days after the election is officially accepted by the Board of Supervisors. My whole thing is, first of all, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the left try to tell us that concerns about schools, school curriculum, how things are being run, their administration of COVID procedures, that all of that is a right wing menace. Yep. Wake up. And that's the thing is, wake is, up. is like uh, Ashbrook brought up the example with, with Yunkin of in terms of registrations, Republicans were outnumbered. In Virginia and managed to win because those folks in the center who may be registered Democrat are like, this is complete insanity and we are done dealing with it. And there was this quote from this article uh, where uh, it says, quote, this is what happens when you try to rename the schools in the middle of a pandemic, exclaimed David Thompson, a.k.a. Gabraham Lincoln, an SFUSD parent dressed in head to toe uh, rainbow dragon towering platform shoes who described his persona as a form of protest. We want to show the diversity of the community behind this recall. I knew they were going to say, oh, isn't it just a bunch of Republicans? And I'm like, do I look like a Republican? <laughs> well, I mean, it's amazing. To that point, the first person I thought of uh, when I saw these results was this woman, Jennifer Say. Did you guys see her, yes. her story? Amazing. That she told on the, on the Levi's. Barry Weiss? Yes, exactly. She's a Levi's exec. She's also an Elizabeth Warren voter. And she was working at Levi's. She didn't like what was going on in her kids' schools. For 26 years, she was there. She's a former gymnast and I think a medalist in the Olympics. Yeah, she's highly decorated, a very, very brave and outspoken woman. But when she questioned school policies about in, in the woke powers that be, they all turned on her. This is a quote from her own piece that was posted with the on the Barry Weiss Substack. She said, I was condemned for speaking out. She was called, I, she said, I was called a racist, which was a strange accusation given that I have two black sons. 
She said she was called a eugenicist, a QAnon conspiracy theorist. Think about that. Think about that. She, she all she wanted to do was have her kids go to school. But this is this is part and parcel of what we've now been talking about for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the only way to argue out of the hole that they've put themselves in and what they're trying to do to our children is to just cry racism, yeah, and 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 accuse people just obviously are not of all kinds of unspeakable motives. When the only thing that any of these people really want is their kids to get an education. And, it, and that was one of them. So Solana uh, put put this uh, tweet out by one of the people who, who were recalled, where they were, where they were saying Asian Americans are like complicit in white supremacy and and allow for basically black people to be persecuted. The, the, this, this kind of like division that's become the heart, the beating heart of progressivism at this point is trying to divide Americans. Yeah. That's what it's based on because most people, the vast majority of people in this country don't agree with their crazy, nutty, and, and they're socialists. They're socialist Marxist ideas. BLM put out there, they're like, we are a Marxist organization. And so when they try to do things, like I remember in New York City in the public schools, they tried to get rid of accelerated mathematics programs because they're like, oh, these are yeah. Asian kids are using this to push white supremacy, which is unbelievable. unbelievable. Just think, you try to do the logical gymnastic on that. There, there are children who are trying to get good at math and you're saying that is white supremacy. I, I mean, if at this, if, if San Francisco, if people in San Francisco are waking up to this. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Katie you know, bar the door. And the only thing that the only thing Jennifer say wanted from her local school board was accountability. She wanted a normal school environment for her kids and they bullied her for it, but it didn't intimidate her. You read the story. Yeah, I mean her her the basic sum and substance of the piece and you should read it, it is on Barry Weiss's Substack because the whole thing is very compelling, but the upshot is they told her that she was going to be CEO. The only thing that she needed to do is step back from all of his critiques about about schools Incredible. and asking questions and she's like you know, in so many words, shove it up your ass. She needed, they told her she has to step back from a position that 80% of the people in San Francisco hold. Yes. Think about that. Yeah. Well, that's corporate, that's corporate America for you. And, and I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing is we're in an environment where you have a very small group of people. Like I think, I, I think the, the Joe Rogan situation is a great example. You have this very small group of folks in the media and these extreme left wing progressive activists who are saying, this is what's allowable. This is how you have to behave. This is what you have to say. Any deviation from this plan, we will cancel you. We will try to take away your uh, ability to provide a living for your family. We will ruin you. And the only reason they're allowed to do that is because there's this illusion that they have that power. Like how many how many folks did they trot out to try to cancel Rogan? You totally. had CNN put out an article where they're like, Joe Rogan is January 6th. Like, anything that they can have to try well, to pressure. Just, remember the AP pressure mounts. Oh, yeah. On pressure Spotify. mounts. Like, the, they're trying to create this illusion that if you disagree with us, you will suffer. Yeah. And for so long, they've been able to run this racket, this extortion racket. Well, it's a protectionist racket is what it is. I mean, it basically, it's it's like an old school Cosa Nostra move. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah, and it is. particularly, it, it's very successful in corporate America because corporate mm-hmm. America knows that it's on the wrong side of a whole bunch of working class issues. Yep. Right? And, which have typically been old school Democratic issues. They no longer are. Nope. Right? They're now Republican issues. But they still make that connection. And so they think the way that they can satisfy people from for, to look the other way on all the, the bullshit that they're doing is to embrace this god-awful ideology 
of just radical progressive extremism, racism, and things like that. And, and so they'll go away. And, and it works, right? So the left leaves these people alone when they yep. start issuing statements about Georgia voting laws. The modern left is basically just an entity that exists as a tool of the corporations. Like at this point, the, the way that they work left. is like, uh, I think a prime example was when they demanded the MLB All-Star game be removed. And you had these CEOs who, who had their jets and they were at the Masters in Augusta. They're like uh, putting out these statements like, uh, yeah, we won't have anything to do with it as they're like going to hop on their jet and get out of Augusta. When yeah. when when Warnock then uh, goes and backtracks and is like, I wasn't, I wasn't for this boycott that's hurting our businesses. I wasn't for this nonsense. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is the vast majority of people agree with us. You know, all our listeners, the, the thing about our listeners, they are radically normal Americans. Like yeah. Yeah. The, the strength Listen. we have in numbers. And for so long, the media has, has, has joined forces with these radical left progressives to try to bully Americans into thinking normal is bad. You have to you have to ascribe to these radical ideas. But the backlash is not limited to San Francisco. We're seeing it all across the country. There are new polls out that show Biden's disapproval has reached the lowest point at, in at any at, at like he he might be the lowest of any president. I mean, it's getting darn close. This is pretty amazing. A new civics poll that came out February 13 has Biden at 34. <laughs> but look, at this oh, is, is even brutal. worse from my standpoint. His approval amongst independents is 23. So Yikes. 66 so, disapproved. So, so the stat that I loved is it says Biden's net approval among Hispanics declined by 40 points <laughs> since January 2021. <laughs> well, I mean, look, this is what happens when you do dumb shit. That's right. Right? The American electorate is not a static thing. You don't just make assumptions about the way people think based on the last election that happened 15 months ago. You can't do unspeakable things to people's children and have them not react. Yeah, you can't, right. Right? right? And I don't care if you're left, right, and center. I bet you Gabraham Lincoln is is very proud of what happened the other day. By the way, that guy's got the best nickname of all. It's in the incredible. And, and, incredible. And, and I think uh, what has been very eye-opening to people across the political spectrum is the absolute lack of, of, of hubris, like the, the gall of these people, these Dems, who they demand everyone mask up their children, but like you'd see AOC on vacation, no mask. You'd see uh, the Super Bowl, every celebrity, they don't have to wear masks. And whenever you see the masking restrictions, like all these Dem governors, they all want, uh, you know, hey, you should congratulate me and, and thank me for rolling back these masking restrictions, which still apply to schools. So, you, you so, know what? Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Because I was just going to say that the larger, the larger piece I want to talk about in a second, but go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but this, the CDC put out uh, a heads up today that they are about to change their position yeah. on masking within the next two weeks. And funny, you think, oh, is that response to San Francisco? Oh, I don't know. What happens within the next two weeks? The State of the Union Address. Oh, oh. Unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Unbelievable. That's pretty good, dude. The temerity of these people. The temerity. I think that's the thing. Here's, is it's so clear the disdain they have for, for average Americans, where they demand, you suffer. You suffer for me, and I should, I should face no consequences. I should live freely. But, hey, listen, you folks. It was, it was like when that statement was put out about uh, – uh, President Obama's birthday party in Martha's Vineyard where they're like, it's a sophisticated audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> it's like, what are but you so, saying there? But it's important when you're dissecting the American electorate. Like, why is it that Democrats are not going to be able to get it out of this box? 
Because what we're talking about here are these the neoliberal corporatist Democrats, yep. right? The ones that are basically on board for the full takeover of American society by government if they can get away with it, but they also will cut ties in a second if it meant that they're going to lose power, which is why they're doing all these things. Right. Why can't they get out of it? Because they're married to this base, this progressive base that doesn't want to go anywhere. They have seen the light, right? And to, to give you an example of this, even D.C., this absolute hellhole of a governance, started rolling back their mask mandates right. and their vaccine mandates. And I saw on the local news yesterday a bunch of, like, complete idiot business owners. There's got, I mean, I can't even imagine what, how left-wing you need to be to be a business owner to come up with this take, that they're helping to try to reintroduce a bill into the, into the city council that remandates vaccine mandates because they think it's good for business. Unbelievable. You only do that if you're backed by venture capital and you and money is no object. Then money is no object, right? right? Or you never really had to make a living on your own. Right. Like like or you have more money than you know how to spend. Yep. It's one of those one of those things. But that's why they're not going to be able to get out of this box because as much as Joe Biden and everybody wants to pretend like they've had this epiphany but they've been there all along, the progressive base isn't having it. They're going to be sitting trip, triple mat. Mark my words. A year from now, they're going to be sitting triple masked in their basement, looking for the fifth shot. They are. <laughs> so, so and don't tell them. It's true. Don't tell them. It's true. And, 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 and all along, uh, you know, right along this subject. So it says a new low for Biden approval in the new morning consult political poll, thirty nine fifty seven. Also, a major shift against mask mandates as blue state governors changed their tune last week. 49% want mask mandates removed, 43% want mask mandates kept. And this, again, like I said, this all ties together. This is Joe Biden's approval ratings in Senate battlegrounds. Arizona, negative 29. Colorado, negative 16. Florida, negative 22. Georgia, negative 26. Iowa, negative 29. Nevada, negative 23. New Hampshire, negative 10. North Carolina, negative 23. Ohio, negative 30. Pennsylvania, negative 18. Washington, negative 6. Wisconsin, negative 17. Negative 6 in Washington State. I mean, let's just look at this. He won Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Nevada, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Washington State, and Wisconsin. And you're reading those states, and I'm wondering, is there a single state where people actually like this guy? It turns out there are four. <laughs> Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and Vermont. And if you look at the numbers, he's hanging on by the hair of his chinny chin chin. <laughs> oh, wow. In Hawaii. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Unbelievable. Not anyway, looking good. The red wave is coming, folks. Let's just strap in and get ready. Um, Speaking of people who are bad to dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice a transition. transition. What's the name of that dog that he sent up? Which, up is, it, is it Major or Commander? Which Major, one that was of? it. Major, yeah, Biden. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, he's uh, he's gone to a farm in uh, Canada. Listen, Major Major knew what was happening in that White House, and that's why he started biting people. I mean, he, he, does, he doesn't want to be around when the investigations begin. And Biden did the old, yeah, he looks like he ran away, kids. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took him out to Camp David and took the, took the collar off. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Go ahead, Major. Returned home. No chip in this one, right, honey? <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, so this is a this is an article from Fox News. It says a doghouse hit by meteorite expected to fetch over two hundred thousand at auction. It says Christie's auction house confirmed to Fox News that it is hosting an auction. 
that includes a doghouse from Costa Rica that was struck by a meteorite on April 23, 2019. The occupant of the house, a German shepherd named Roki, wasn't injured during the incident, although the dog was understandably startled <laughs> by the event. I mean, they took his home? Yeah, I mean, the meteorite, you know, the meteorite chose it. The The meteorite that struck <laughs> Ro, uh, Rocky's house will also go for auction and is expected to sell between forty and 60000 uh, I mean, I think I, I think that's an incredible thing. Like, meteorites are incredibly rare. It's among the rarest, like, material in the universe. Is it? So I don't know universe. about this. Yeah, so, th- so, so meteorites are among the rarest material in the universe, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, by rate and composition, like gold is easier to, to come across. Well, they don't come around very often. They, they don't. They, they usually don't. burn up before they hit. And that's it, the right? thing is, is typically they're like incinerated or they're like in the outside the solar system or, in, or they're in the asteroid belt. It's tough to get your hands on some of this stuff. So I mean, we got a fucking scientist over here. I'm, I'm, really I'm, I'm a big meteorite guy. So. Big meteorite yeah, geologist. Huge, huge meteorite fan. So he's the, got tonight. He's going to be polishing his stones. Oh, I mean, <laughs> so honestly i feel like shout out dog the dog should be happy you know that's a very well does lucky the dog picture. get a cut they just auctioned off his house i mean i hope so honestly again this is an example where i'm like the dog the animal should lawyer up make yeah. sure you get a piece of the action invest that wisely did they get the meteorite or just the house they they, they get so the house is what's up for auction um the doghouse, not a ha- not a real the house. Dog house, yeah. dog house. The, the dog house, yeah. The dog house is what caught it. I mean, the dog survived, which is wild. Yeah, that's a tough dog. That's a tough dog. Taking a taking an intergalactic rock to Seriously. the face is, a, is a, it's something yeah, but, to tell your friends. But I mean, the headline here. I mean, it, it's if you were wondering whether inflation is a thing, a doghouse selling for two hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> right? Holy cow! I mean, the a, the asset prices are all over the place. This this economy is upside down. Oh, I love it. People have too much money on that deal. No question about it. Uh, Virgin Galactic stop, uh, stock jumps 32% as spaceflight ticket sales open with a $150,000 deposit. I think we have a lot to say about this. So so, so this is the thing. is, is uh, uh, McDaniel, uh, producer of the show, puts this in, in, in uh, the document of, of topics for us to discuss, and he doesn't add anything about whether this is real space or not. Well, like, that's the thing. I think we'd, everybody's been around us long enough yep. to know that we are not going to settle for space flight yeah, being like, called a space flight. Like the thing is, is that like uh, the, the the we already know the Bezos thing is a scam, like absolute fake space. Like you barely get up there. And the only reason you're floating is because you're in free fall. It's like uh, when they were shooting Apollo 13, you know, they just have the plane go up and down really fast. Oh, yeah, you know, no gravity. Or like when they filmed the moon landing in Yuma, Arizona. There you go. <laughs> Same story. Total fake news. So the thing is, is that like, yeah, I think I think space is cool. But if it were real space, like legit space, like honestly, it's come to the point where like there are so many companies trying to scam on what is space, like Bezos, I don't know if Virgin Galactic is legit for their definition. Anything short of my feet touching Mars, I wouldn't pay a dime what, for. What did you see? What Mars? You see what they're getting? <laughs> like I need to know. Like here's the thing: is like people will debate. Oh, are you in this like atmosphere? No, no, are no. You in this layer of the atmosphere, bro. Put my feet on Mars, and I know I've been to space. You've raised the bar. It used to be surrounded by blackness. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is like that these these companies are willing to put their money on the line to tell people. Okay, you're in space, and 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 they're what they're counting on is, 
oh, you know, the experts tell us you're in space. Bro, I, I've 100% stopped listening to the experts. I don't believe them. I don't care what they have to say about what they consider space. They're like, oh, this guy said, like, you left the mesosphere or whatever. Like, no, I don't care what you said, dude. Well, I don't even if know my what that feet, is. If my feet are on Mars, I'm buying it. I clearly have been through space. <laughs> and and just like you said about the moon, it, moon doesn't count because God knows they can fake that one. Well, <laughs> well speaking of the moon, you know what's going to the moon? Yeah. Gas prices. Insane. And everything. And everything. Uh, sign of the times. Here's a Reuters piece. Uh, Burger King pulls Whopper off the discount menu. Wow. Unbelievable. It's now a, it's now a high-priced item at Burger King. Because, you know, because they got, look, they're paying higher prices for for the beef, for the shipping, for the labor, for all the co- commodities that include, you know, like chicken and coffee and whatever. Even fast food restaurants are having to raise their prices at this point. But the Whopper's always been a premium sandwich. Oh, are you a big fan of the Whopper? It's you a Whopper guy? It's actually very good. Whopper or Big Mac? Uh, you know, it's tough. It's a toss-up yeah? between the two of them. But it's they're both premium sandwiches. Sound like you frequented both. I gotta be. I, yeah, well, I got to be honest with you. The fact that it was ever on the discount menu was a steal. Oh, it really was. I mean, it was, and it's a shame that it's that it's gone off. It's a sign of the times. That's, I mean, I see this as the like total pinch that's been going on during COVID on the working class. Like, if you want to be able to afford a meal, if you want to be able to pay for gas, if you want to be able to have a job. Well, the national average for gas prices has gone up sharply. Rose to three forty eight. That's the, that's the thing. Is is you know. Uh, the, the biggest scam is like this this administration we have is, is like we should salute our essential workers and the folks on the front lines who are making it happen. Like you mean the, the folks who are, who are driving the trucks that get your groceries, the folks who are, who are working at these restaurants to make sure there's food, the delivery folks. And who, who's, who's paying the brunt of the cost when you're looking at grocery prices going up, gas prices going up, the, the whoppers off the discount menu. It's working people. It's working people. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, these idiots. We're not even a month removed from Joe Manchin having to break party ranks in order to stop another six trillion dollars worth of spending. It's incredible. I mean, they, they, let's not get like when they're talking about. Oh, now we need to do something about inflation. Like that again. That's a political decision. They were one vote away weeks ago from tripling down on this disaster and had nothing to do with actual infrastructure like building bridges roads and stuff that was the like woke bill the like woke infrastructure no in 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 my favorite anecdote about bbb was the one we talked to a congressman about this where they they mandated a certain kind of battery in an electric car and then they would tax incentivize the production and the purchasing of it except then simultaneously they're banning the mining of that in the united states so the only way to actually produce what they're mandating is shipping it from China. Incredible. That's what these people Incredible. are. That's what these people are. That was in their bill, right? Like, I, I will never forgive. So the journos, it became illegal, like on Twitter, to reply to a journal and say, learn to code. Yeah. Like, they would get oh, yeah. you kicked <laughs> off for yeah, saying that. But they band. would say that to miners But that's all the thing long. is, like, five years they, earlier, every West Virginia miner, they were putting out articles about why are these people mining in West Virginia when they could just learn to code. Yep. That's that, I mean, that's the heart of the left is... You know, looking down on regular people. Looking down on regular people. Yep. Rules for thee, not for me. The hundred percent right, and that is, and that look. The problem is, is that everyone is feeling the pressure now, mm-hmm. and, and producer prices rose nine point seven percent in January. That's a, that's a near record. I right? mean, 
uh, again, we went from the White House being like, there's no inflation. Your your 4th of July meal is actually cheaper, which is a lie. Then they said, okay, uh, inflation is not fake news, but it's transitory. It's going to go away. And they're like, inflation is good to now. They don't even want to talk about it. They don't even want to discuss. They it don't even all. want to do But But so I, I want to touch on this quickly <laughs> because it's worth it is worth pointing out. So Democrats with skin in the game, their names are on a ballot. They know they're screwed. Yep. They got to come up with something. I remember back in the day when, you know, when the United States was fairly dependent on OPEC and Saudi Arabia and, you know, all kinds of different foreign sources of energy that what what the, what big move the Democrats used to make when Democrat when they were in charge and gas prices went up, we went, oh, we're going to, you know what, we're going to cut taxes. We're going to cut the gas tax. Yeah. Right. And this was like a 2008 maneuver that that Chuck Schumer was engineered. So I was blown away last week when all these Senate Democrats came out and said, oh, we're going to cut the gas tax. It's like, motherfucker, have you watched energy policy over the last 15 it's, years? It's unbelievable. The gas prices have risen by a dollar. And they're like, you know what? We're going to give you three or four cents. Back. We'll give you three or four cents. And then we want credit Thanks. for it. Thanks, guys. And, 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 and every single reporter will dutifully write it as if it's some brave move. And then, no, NBC, NBC wrote that, like, the, de- the Democrats' effort to cut gas taxes runs into rep- Republican intransigence. It's just not like as if anybody believes it. As if anybody who's reading NBC News that is not a Democrat already voting for a Democrat looks at that and thinks it's anything other than another reason to not read NBC. And I think one of the biggest parts of this whole like Russia-Ukraine conversation should be the fact that Joe Biden lets Putin have his pipeline, Nord Stream. But he cuts Keystone XL. Well, the first thing that they did, I mean, literally the first thing, first they thing did. he did was, okay, I want to end American energy independence. Day it, one. Th- th- Outrageous. That, that, that is, so that's part and parcel of the issue. The Nord Stream thing is obviously a huge piece of hypocrisy that, that is impossible to explain. But I think the larger issue is we were actually energy independent under Trump. We were. We didn't need open. So like when everybody's talking about, oh my God, gas prices are going to go through the roof because of this Ukrainian conflict with Russia. Two years ago, we'd be like, who gives a shit? Right? Yep. We're producing our own. Yep. Now that we don't, now that we stopped drilling, now that we have cut off the Keystone pipeline and all the promise that that would have provided, we now, once again, are completely beholden to things we can't control. It's like they love sending energy overseas, whether it comes to the, I don't get the it. batteries come from I China. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. It's insane. I don't get it either. It turns out America is a pretty big place. <laughs> yeah, right. it turns out there's an awful lot of energy to be had here. We don't need to, we don't need to be beholden to other countries. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Trump showed the world is that, like, you know what? America can actually use the energy that we have in this country and the gas prices reflected that. Yeah. Joe Biden comes into office; they cost a dollar more per gallon, and everybody's paying the price. I, I want to look. I want to look at Pelosi's portfolio. Like, is she long like Chinese <laughs> battery manufacturers? <laughs> there used to be a Twitter account where you'd be able yeah, to tell. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Twitter banned it. Shut that down. Um, I want to bring airlines back into the discussion because I feel like you have a lot to say every time we talk Always, about this. Always, every time. So Southwest brought alcohol back on planes for the first time since 2020 smug your thoughts i mean this is number one an absolute disaster so (laughs) here's the thing is i've got mixed feelings about this because uh number one i know this is going to be a disaster because the kind of folks that you got on there like i feel southwest should be like if you've got children and and family if if you're one of these parents who's like i give my kid an ipad instead of teaching my kids to be quiet when we're in public and follow directions (laughs) get on southwest (laughs) 
you know? Uh, in so my day, outrageous. in my day, I remember when I used to get on a plane as a kid, it was like silence. Like you answer questions when asked, like, what do you want to have? Are you going to have like a, the, the chicken or whatever meal? That's the only time you're talking the on the plane. And you, you were know? in a suit and tie. You know, you, you, you act respect. Who, who, who would have guessed that there was a time that, you know, if you have a family, you teach them to be respectful in public. Now, you know, it's a, it's a zoo. Yeah, it's a zoo in the in the sky, which is Southwest, which is why oh, I'm like I'd never fly Southwest. A zoo I want in the them. sky. I want them on Southwest. You know, it's like the entire plane is steerage, <laughs> so it's not like they can only give the drinks to first class who can like handle and be, and behave. No, you're giving it to the folks who are going full of Jerry Springer throwing chairs at each other in the back. It's one of my favorite elitist smug takes. But I mean, it's true, and and you know what? Like you know, folks who fly Southwest, good luck, honestly. So what you're saying is you disagree with the union. The Southwest Union has opposed this. They're saying that resuming alcohol is unsafe and irresponsible. Oh, he's with the union on it. Yeah, well, I mean, for different reasons. Yeah, they come to the like same they just conclusion. don't want to work. So my beef, <laughs> so, so my beef is is with uh, the 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 union at American Airlines who no longer want to bring meals out as separate courses. They want one little packaged meal. It's like, oh, really? One packaged meal? That's gonna be real tough. <laughs> you know, it's already got to be microwaved. You can't even take two or three trips. You know, I want my salad separate from. I just want one thing. You're gonna microwave my salad with the rest of it. Smug wants a white linen napkin and a prime rib put I mean, in front of him. And Wolf, the thing is, Wolf, when, and Wolf game puck working and, on the, and, on the, uh, on the prime you know, rib up front. And he, when you fly international, you realize what a tragedy has become of 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 the airline industry here in America. You know, you, you, you go overseas or France, it's like, they do put a tablecloth down. You know, you got a little, you got a salt and pepper shaker on your table as the separate courses arrive. And American, they're like, yeah, we microwaved your salad. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Last bit of thing uh, that we're here to talk about. Uh, there's been a dinosaur crime. I love this. A dinosaur. So a man has been arrested for allegedly stealing a fossilized dinosaur claw valued at $25,000 from a vendor in Tucson last month and then trying to resell it, according to authorities. I mean, this is so wild. Like, number one, this wasn't a well-planned out crime. I don't know what kind of liquidity the dinosaur claw market has. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot out there. So it's not like you can cop this from, like, steal this and try to roll up to a pawn shop. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, we get this every day. <laughs> not a very weird ass. Well, you've undoubtedly given this some thought because you've said on many occasions that you would like to have yourself a dinosaur. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. I absolutely would love to. Like, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage uh, blew his money on a ton of crazy <laughs> shit, right? A nutty shit. The guy made those uh, National Treasure movies, which are fantastic. And it was made, real. I mean, the amount of money that guy made over yeah. his run, because he had a hell of a run. I think he won multiple Academy Awards. Well, I mean, Best Actor. Less so for the Academy Awards and for the, for the like, you know, the trash movies that you can catch on oh, USA like any yeah. given weekend. The one sure. where he's, like, stealing cars and stuff like that. Oh, that's a great, great movie. Great films. Yeah. The Rock. All the, all, yeah. all the, all the great movies. Um, he made a boatload of money like a ton of money and now apparently like i guess he's he's broke because he's buying like dinosaurs and shit but it's like you know what i can't begrudge the guy you know you get me to the top i'm buying a dinosaur One. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy tried to turn it in uh to somebody and sell it and he just got himself caught uh, i mean what he, i mean here's the thing is number one he should have kept it for himself you know, you just have it on the on the mantle. Just do it. Keep it. Yeah, it's a point of pride. Every time you look at it, yeah, I stole a dinosaur. Do we have any idea how big this claw was? I don't think I see any photographs. I'd like to. I'd like to figure out. I mean, is this like a? 
Is this well? We we should tell producer McDaniel be like, you have to whenever there's a dinosaur discussion, please have photos and details. Yeah, and any animal really, I'd like to see the look on their face. It's a big part of the but segment. What, what was the game plan? Did he think he was just going to put it on eBay and nobody would notice? That's I, the thing. Seems like it. There's there's not there's not much. Oh, and, and sadly, it says the dinosaur claw is now in Colorado with its owner. Thomas faces a felony sadly. charge of trafficking stolen property. Oh wait, so there act, but there there is an actual owner of the claw. Yeah. There's, there, it's there's, not a museum. It's an. And there's a private owner of a claw. He, he didn't go full national treasure and just like take it from the source. <laughs> I love that some guys like, hey, he stole my claw. Yeah, I mean, come because on, bro. that guy's doing what you were going to do. He was like, I thought we were friends. Dude. It was like the, the Nick Cage movie. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible! Incredible! All right, so we got to get to this first our sponsor interview because this is a really important one save our states is a group that's dedicated to defending the electoral college you remember this because every time democrats lose an election they talk about how the system is broken they want to absolutely destroy our democracy and and eliminate the electoral college they have innovative ways to try to do it and this group has been all over it since the very beginning without them and i mean this sincerely without them I think there's a decent chance that that the far left progressives would be able to enact this kind of plan. So you got to listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. I want to welcome to the program uh, Trent England. He's with Save Our States. And as we just discussed, it is an incredibly important organization because of what they're battling back against with the national popular vote. Completely ridiculous. Probably the worst idea, honestly, of all the really bad ideas that there is across this country. This one might be the worst. Um, so I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks and welcome to Ruthless. Yeah, thanks so much. It's it's great to uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, this is this is a uniquely bad idea that the left came up with. It, 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 well, it's 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 uniquely bad. The funny thing is, it's like everything else, right? I mean, if a Republican wins an election. All of a sudden, the election system is broken. If a Democrat wins it, it's just rigging it more to be more democratic. But but if there's a same kind of pattern with the national popular vote, right? I mean, when when Donald Trump won the national popular vote in 2016, or or when when George Bush did, in in 2004, this movement became really significant on the left, and it was just to abolish the electoral college because they just felt like you know, look. Uh, what did our founders know? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's right. And I mean, people don't, a lot of people don't realize Al Gore's campaign back in 2000 had drafted a memo defending the Electoral College because they thought the election might turn out the other way. They thought that there was a real possibility that Gore would win in the Electoral College, but not get the most popular votes, which, you know, that election was almost a toss-up, right? I mean, all Gore had to do was carry West Virginia, which the Democrats had carried forever, carry his own state, right? I mean, Gore easily could have won that election if he would have ran a better campaign. And uh, and yet, you know, when, when the opposite happened, when Bush wins the Electoral College, Gore gets, you know, more, you know, what in a national election is really a handful more popular votes nationwide. Then you see this effort spring up that's really disingenuous because this national popular vote interstate compact, on the one hand, you know, Democrats tend to support it. People on the left tend to support it because it it is as close to abolishing the Electoral College as you can get without changing the Constitution and changing the right. Constitution is really hard. Right. And, and then they turn around and they actually they actually push this to Republicans and to, you know, to other folks who who maybe don't you know, don't want to get rid of the Electoral College. 
and they say, well, we're just adjusting how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really disingenuous, which I think, you know, I think typically policies that are, that are peddled that way, um, they really are the worst because it, it goes to just how unstable and, and how kind of, you know, this is a big Rube Goldberg scheme for one group of people to get what they want. And then they go and market it to people based on, well, you know, it's, it's got a bird in a cage over here and it's got a, you know, it's got a pool <laughs> ball that rolls down a thing over here. Right. It's like, wait a second. Like this is, this is ridiculous. And well, it's become the hallmark yet, of the progressive left. You should see what they've done to the healthcare system. But, 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 right. but honestly, I, so here's the piece that I want to talk about, right? Because what you just said struck a chord with me because when I was early chief of staff on Capitol Hill, there were some, a couple of, you know, seemingly bright, sort of well-connected state legislators who basically didn't know any better, got themselves a part of this national popular vote deal and came to talk about it. Now, I mean, they rock, walked into the wrong office because I knew everything there was to know about this. And I worked for Mitch McConnell, who lives and breathes this stuff. Yeah. But but the point is, is I think there's a lot of susceptibility to people who don't want to get rid of the Electoral College, but don't think that is what they're doing here. Well, that's right. And, and you know who the, the worst offenders are is uh, some of the political consultants out there. Like, yeah. you know, some Republican political consultants in places like California. They just look at this and they say, maybe we get a cut of presidential campaign cash. And so they've been really willing to jump on board. And then, you know, as you say, there have been a handful of Republican legislators around the country, including a couple of who have gone to work for national popular vote, right? Who, who pushed this all, you know, all over the place. And, uh, and yet, I mean, this thing is, it was developed by the left. It's funded by the left. It's run by the left. And the whole point is to effectively abolish the electoral college. I probably for the listeners, we should sort of sketch out, you know, how does this thing actually work? Cause I have had people tell me, I'll start talking to them about this and they say, well, come on, like, it's impossible. You have to change the constitution. This doesn't make any sense. But, but I give the left credit because when Gore lost, they were really clever. And this was, you know, three constitutional law professors, all, you know, all leftists who came up with this idea. They said, you know, what if we use the power of the constitution that's given to state legislatures, right? And conservatives have been talking about that. A lot of Republicans have been talking about that over the last year or so. Legislatures have this power to direct the manner of choosing presidential electors, which includes just appointing them directly, right? So it's, it's a pretty broad power. What if you just get state legislators to ignore how the people of their own state vote and choose their presidential electors based on the, the national popular vote. You know, now if one state does that, who cares, right? You know, unless it happens to be the one pivotal state, it's not going to affect anything. But if you get states with a majority of electoral votes to do that, you can basically hijack the electoral college and force it to rubber stamp the popular vote result. It's incredible. Which again, you know, I mean, it's, it's really savvy, right? I mean, these guys read the constitution. They took it seriously. I give them all kinds of credit for that. It's a terrible, dangerous idea, but it's not, uh, it's not obviously unconstitutional. I, I think it is unconstitutional, but, but it's not, there's nothing in the constitution that explicitly says you can't do this. And, uh, and so, yeah, you wind up with these Republican hacks who, who are paid by MPV, who go around saying, well, it doesn't really abolish the electoral college. It leaves the electoral college in place. And, you know, this would, aren't, don't we, don't we want to just have a one big national election for president <laughs> of the United States, right? It's like, I mean, come on guys, you know, you're not, you're not smarter than James Madison. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think what we've seen in, you know, both of the last, uh, the recent elections where the electoral college was, was decisive, it actually works the way it's supposed to work, right? You're not supposed to be able to win an election because you've got intense support in a, a region of the country, whether that region is big cities or just the South or just the coasts or whatever, right? That's, that's actually why we have an electoral college. It's why other countries use electoral college type systems or parliamentary systems that produce the same kind of effect. We don't want regional politics. We don't want the Democrats to be able to run everything out of, you know, a, a no, the East and West Coast. It's completely ridiculous. So, so talk yeah. about what you guys are doing at Save Our States. And I, I got to imagine there's a lot of our people who want to help you. Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, that is the power of Save Our States. I, I set this up back in 2009 because, uh, it, it's a weird issue, right? It's going on in state capitals, but it's a national issue. I've, I've been, yeah, I used to work at the Heritage Foundation and then I've been working in state-based think tanks. And it was like, everybody's sort of looking at each other saying, well, who's going to do this, right? It's kind of a right. weird in-between thing. So we go out, we educate state legislators, we educate people around state legislators, Republicans and Democrats. We, we've, got, we've got Democrats who are on our side on this as well, sometimes for reasons that I, that I think are, you know, they're a little different than my reasons. Uh, but hey, if they're, they're on the right side, that's, uh, that's good enough for me. And, uh, and then we do a lot to educate the public. We have a documentary called Safeguard, an Electoral College Story, which somehow is still streaming on Amazon. Oh, uh, man, you're the one. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, you couldn't I figure mean, it out, gotta, Trent. That was the biggest problem. I, you couldn't figure it no, out. We, propaganda. We, we threw, we threw a, some B-roll of, of Obama at the beginning of it. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of sad because there, there are like a couple of comments on Amazon. They're like, I started watching this and it's obviously liberal propaganda because there's <laughs> Obama on the front. So. <laughs> Just watch the video, pal. Just but watch yeah, the it's video. It's like the ultimate Rickroll. But uh, <laughs> no, we, we, we've got a book out with Encounter Books uh, that I wrote a couple of years ago called Why We Must Defend the Electoral College. I mean, we're just doing everything we can to educate people about why, <clears throat> why this system is so brilliant. And, and along the way, you know, one of the reasons that I got interested in this in the beginning, uh, it's a great way to help people understand that democracy is not some metaphysical idea that conveys, you know, we're, we're not the... We're not the French, you know, we're not trying to set up a republic that divines the general will of the people and just gives government as much power as possible to go out and inflict that general will on everybody else, right? We, we've got a system that's designed to use democratic processes to produce just government. And that's a, that's a really different thing that people have largely lost, I think. And you can tell the story of the Electoral College and you can educate people about why we have the Constitution just in general. Yep. And I, I love that. So Listen, uh, folks should follow us on, on, on Twitter. You know, I'm on Twitter at Trent England. Uh, we're on Twitter at Save Our States. Uh, we, you know, we love to interact with people all around the country. That's kind of the power of what we do is, you know, we engage people in going out, educating their own legislators. Trent, this is awesome. Your website? Saveourstates.com. Saveourstates.com. If you want to find out what's going on. And Trent, stay in touch because this is something we actually, we actually super are into on the variety program we follow this if there are any developments at all come back and tell us about it yeah we'll do it thank you so much you got it take care well trent really knows his stuff yeah i mean look there it's i cannot tell you how important this is yeah like there's a lot of stuff to be outraged about but this is one because democrats won the last election you don't hear a lot about, but it's going on all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's no coincidence that when the Democrats have the White House, the House, and the Senate, 
they're trying to solidify power. Like since 1776, elections in this country, you know, have not been centralized at the federal level. And and like you've got these left wing groups like a uh, national popular vote campaign, which they want to nullify the electoral college. Yeah, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. And they've tricked well-meaning people into thinking that they're not trying to do that. Yep. Right. Which is which is what he explained. You just got to get you got to keep an eye on it. If you see this stuff pop up in your own state legislature, by the way, get involved, man, because it is a disaster in the making. I'm glad this group exists. Um, You guys want to talk to Ron Johnson? Absolutely. I 100 percent. Want, want can, this I, interview. can I just can I just say before we start? I remember when he first came on the scene, and he had an ad where he was going through a, a marker board and writing how many attorneys were in the Senate, how many of such and such, and he said there are no accountants, and he was an accountant. He's a small business guy from Wisconsin, and I remember Holmes remembers oh, this that because hard. we used to we yeah. used to we used to joke about this because it was so good. Like he was like, remember when we used to make things in Wisconsin, just like, you know, back in the old days, I, I do that. Let me show you. Come and on. Was, let me show you. It was so great. Good. Ad. It was just one of the best ads. And it really like marked the, the 2010 cycle. I think that was when he first yeah. ran, right? Yep. 2010. Yep. No, it's right. So anyway, without further ado, Senator Ron Johnson. I want to welcome to the program somebody that we have been very interested in having on to talk about a wide range of issues, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Senator, welcome to the program. Josh, great to be with you. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, we're doing really well. Uh, But look, there's been some developments in the last week where, for those of our listeners who know you well, I think they probably know you best for somebody who just does not accept the conventional media narratives about what's happening in Washington. And a lot of conservatives do that, right? And, and, and you're just not one of them who does, and you, you've pushed back on this. But the, the point that I really recall here over the last year and a half that has now come to fruition over the last week and a half is all about this Durham filing, right? And how it pertains to the larger Russiagate and everything else Give me your thoughts on what this filing revealed to you last week in this in this latest report. Well, first of all, as you well know, I'm kind of an outsider's outsider. I, I'm uh, aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I come into D.C., not a real fan of the federal government and uh, somewhat skeptical. And then you become chairman of Homeland Security, governmental affairs. And now you're chairman of the Senate Oversight Committee. People don't really realize that, but it's really the, you know, that mainly was the, the primary function before the Homeland Security Department was established. And so it just so happens that uh, you had the Hillary Clinton email scandal, which also happens to be in our legislative jurisdiction. So I, I become chairman, you get the email scandal, and all of a sudden, I guess I'm going to investigate things, okay? Yeah, well, it's not like you asked for that, right? I mean, that's the role. You know, I, I came here because we were mortgaging our kids' future. And because of Obamacare, I, did, I didn't come as a you know, congressional oversight guy and, and investigations, but that's your, your responsibility. So I, I take on that responsibility, take it seriously. And you start digging into, you know, the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Uh, I would consider it criminal activity. Of course, James Comey didn't. And that's kind of really our first break in the case. Our, our staff uncovered all the uh, edits to the James Comey exoneration email. And of course, those edits were made by the same cast of characters move forward that are engaged in the corrupt FBI investigation. So now to start answering your question, what the Durham investigation is revealing is what I've always suspected. 
when our investigators found out about the Peterstruck Lisa Page texts, and we made those public right away, a very transparent in my oversight. The text that always bothered me that I thought was most revealing was uh, written in, in December of 2016, in between the election and President's inauguration. And to paraphrase, this might be an exact quote I've done it quite a few times. Yeah. Think our sisters are leaking like mad, scorned and worried and political. They're kicking to overdrive. So the sisters are obviously the, you know, the sister intelligence agencies. We know Brennan, we know, we know these are political animals. You know, they've revealed that by you know, joining the MSNBC team. Yeah. What were they worried about? Yeah, I figured I knew what they were worried about. They were worried about what they had done during 2016. Um, and so to me, what the Russian hoax always was, was a massive diversionary operation. Let's face it, that's what the intelligence agencies do. So this is a diversionary operation. We don't want you finding out what we did to sabotage mm -hmm. the 2016 election. We, we want to, and, and of course, we know now that Hillary Clinton wanted to create this Russian hoax, right. the root. Uh, we know that Hillary Clinton's campaign bond paid for the Steele dossier. You know, we found out because the best years, uh, discovered the, the redacted footnotes to the FISA report that proved the FBI knew as early as October 2016, the dossier was at least influenced by Russian disinformation. And so now what we know is the Hillary Clinton campaign paid for uh, the infiltration of servers, the monitoring of them at Trump Tower, as well as the executive office of the president. I mean, it doesn't get much more serious than that. And the silence in the media is deafening. Yeah, but it's also incredibly revealing. I mean, this is this has to be the the largest political dirty trick in the history of the world, and the ma mainstream media is not covering it. And what people really have to understand is how serious this was and why it really was criminal. Look at the political turmoil it created, what their activities dragged America through for five years, and it hasn't ended. No, it's I mean, still it exacerbated the divide. So, no, this is, this is, it's all too believable, but it's just so gross that the mainstream media is completely ignoring this. This is a major, major scandal. This is a major assault on our democracy. Well, I agree with you. And, you know, the, the long lasting nature of it is worth examining. I mean, there's, look, there's 20, 25% of this country that are just sort of dogmatic partisan Democrats surround themselves in an echo chamber of MSNBC talking heads. They all believe it. They still believe it. Right. I mean, like, despite the facts being out there now everywhere and not reported by the mainstream journalism that, that you've just referenced, these people still believe all this stuff went on. So they're, they're all concerned about January 6th. They're all concerned about, you know, the fact that some of us are a little concerned about the irregularities in the 2020 election, legitimately concerned. But what I said in, in the hearing I held on examining the irregularities of the 2020 election in December 2022 or 2020 was that this is an unsustainable state of affairs. You have 2016, where half the country didn't view that election result as legitimate. Fast forward to 2020, now the other half doesn't view this as legitimate. So the goal I, I keep talking about, particularly back in Wisconsin, where we had some real problems. You know, we had a Wisconsin Election Commission that issued guidance that's totally contrary to state law multiple times. 
what we need to do is we need to restore confidence in our election system. I mean, there's nothing partisan about that. It just whether you're Democrat, independent, Republican, you want to have confidence that no matter who wins, Democrat, independent, Republican, this legitimate result, that your legitimate vote isn't canceled out by a fraudulent one, which is why 80% of Americans agree with voter ID. I, I was actually shocked by that poll result. You know, yeah. Democrats are racist. You know, 80% of the people think that's reasonable. You know, you got to show an ID every, everywhere else. So I think we're on pretty solid ground if we just say, listen, we have to restore confidence. How do you do it? Well, you have to expose wrongdoing. You know, when there are uh, accusations of fraud, you got to track them down, prosecute them so that people don't get away with it. And then you have to establish the proper controls. And, and we know that uh, Jimmy Carter, not a you know partisan Republican, Jimmy Carter, oh, yeah. James B. had their commission. And they, they said that the number one area of, of potential uh, fraudulent voting is with absentee ballots. And we doubled the number of absentee ballots while we loosened all the controls. Yeah. So we, we got to tighten that back up. Bottom line, we have to restore confidence in our election system. I see nothing partisan about that whatsoever. Well, I think it's one of the reasons why you all have done the, the Lord's work in, in stopping what Democrats are trying to do with the national takeover of elections and all of that. But then an awful lot of state legislatures have moved to try to do what you just said and restore some confidence, get some integrity measures back, common sense things like like uh, voter ID. Where does Wisconsin sit in the in the realm of all that? Do you, do you have confidence going into your own election with your own name on the ballot? Where do you think it stands today? Well, the legislators passed laws to tighten things up, you know, take some authority away from Wisconsin Election Commission, which is really run by leftists. OK, um, Tony Evers just vetoes them all. It's amazing. So we're, we're going to have to fight this tooth and nail. We're going to have to prime out legal challenges. Make Hopefully the Wisconsin Supreme Court will will side with those legal challenges and make election clerks follow state law because our law is actually pretty good. It, it does have those types of controls. But again, those controls were relaxed and they were violated repeatedly. Now, I've but, talked to but, a lot of candidates that have names on the ballot that this is exact. I'm interested in this because this is their exact take. Right. They're either with Democratic legislatures or a Democratic governor who's vetoing any kind of integrity measure. And like, what do you do? Right. Because it's imperative that the voters who are coming out for you, of all people, have faith and trust in the. And so everybody's got a little bit different take on it. But it sounds to me like you have more oversight, more maybe proactive legal action where you're establishing ground rules going into the election. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're investigating these things. It's, investigations are hard. Yeah. You know, people that commit crimes are covering things up. They, they bury the evidence. So it's, it's not easy to prove these things. But what's easily provable is the fact that, again, we, we issued guidances, or WEC did, uh, that were contrary to state law. So you just make sure that election clerks follow state law. If they do that, then you're you know, fine. We're, we're probably in pretty good shape, except for Milwaukee is going to be a problem. Uh, Zuckerberg, Zuckerbucks might still be a problem. You know, the, the money he poured in on a partisan basis, it still totally blows me away that that's legal in any way, shape or form. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll just challenge all things. So uh, one of the things that I know is near and dear to your heart, because you've been doing a lot of it lately, is talking to parents about schools and talking to kids about schools as it relates to COVID and reopenings and everything. I mean, look, it's been a disaster nationwide. By and large, I think most places in the Midwest got it better than other places throughout this country. But tell us a little bit about what you're hearing from parents in Wisconsin about where they find themselves two years into this thing. Well, COVID exposed an awful lot. Uh, one thing it exposed while parents were looking over their kids' shoulder at their online learning is what teachers yeah. were in 
indoctrinating, and I don't even want to say teaching, indoctrinating them with. Yeah. And that, that certainly alarmed them. You know, one advantage we had in Wisconsin is the Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down Tony, er Tony Evers' emergency orders. So Wisconsin pretty well returned to normal early in the pandemic. Now, you know, we were careful, uh, you know, businesses that, where you had a significant risk of, of out-of-control spread, people were wary of those. And, you know, there were controls in place, reasonable ones. But, you know, by and large, Wisconsin kind of got over the pandemic. Now we had, we, we've had our surges. I've, I've never downplayed COVID. Yeah. As every but, state has, right. No matter where yeah. you're standing at the masks and the mandates, it's kind of, this looks the same no matter what. Right. But you know, we, we also had cities and do their own thing. Yeah. And so, you know, in terms of parents, they're highly concerned about the indoctrination, critical race theory, but they're also concerned in certain, you know, certain school districts where the kids are still wearing masks. You know, where they aren't, they're still doing online learning. They're, they're not in-person learning now. So we have kind of a mixed bag in Wisconsin on that. But uh, you know, obviously where, where kids haven't returned to school, where you have, uh, unless I mean mask mandates for kids, whether they work or not, the way kids wear them, they don't work. They don't. You know, I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you masks on kids don't work because they're not, even if they it was any possibility they could, they're not going to wear them. I mean, I've, I've been around enough kids. You're down around their chin. Like, that's not working. You know, it, it looks kind of funny, but it's not working. My four-year-old is, I would, I would say, as obedient as a four-year-old could be with the mask. But your point is absolutely right. I mean, it's just, it's not, that doesn't work all the time. They're four for crying out loud, right? And we also have to recognize the harm it's done to our kids. Exactly. They, they, they can't see their teacher's face. I, I've got very young grandchildren. They're learning to speak. This is hampered their language skills. No question. And we've just scared them. You know, they're, they're afraid of people now. They're afraid of situations. You know, I've seen some just horrific examples of that. It's just a tragedy we've done to our children. And you remember early in the pandemic how the world community basically condemned Sweden because Sweden did things the right way. They isolated the sick, they protected the vulnerable, and the rest of them carried on with life as carefully as they possibly could. They sent their kids to school, no masks, not one of 1 1.8, 1.9 million Swedish children died of COVID. The teachers actually had a lower infection rate than the rest of society. And they were deemed essential workers. They had to work, but they were around kids. Kids didn't spread COVID. You know, kids have this kind of innate immunity to COVID. Like, by the way, as most of us are, are, natural immune system handled COVID. The vast majority of us that occurred. We didn't risk stratify our response to COVID. And as a result, our response was so destructive. And, you know, as, as we continue with these mandates, which are completely pointless now that we know that, you know, even fully vaccinated boosted, you can still get infected, you can still transmit. So what's yeah. the point of I mean, well, what, what do you make? What do you make? Yeah. Your colleagues. Yeah, I, I did a tweet to Justin Trudeau basically saying, listen, I got a solution for your trucker problem, you know, and the idiotic and pointless mandates. You know, return freedom and health, personal health autonomy to Canadian citizens. You know, give me a break. This yeah, they're is not, not reasonable. They've already put up with way more than I imagine anybody else would. They're, they're very reasonable people. But I, I, I mean, want to ask. Uh, who is a truck driver isolating his cab going to infect? Yeah, I mean, that's always been the point, right? I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. I want to make, I want to know what you make of your colleagues who have basically blindly tried to bully most of the 
American people into mandates and masks and quarantines and who they deem essential and whether you can go to school and whether your kids can learn, whatever. Over the last two years, it's been horrendous. All those people now taking a look at the 30s and the poll numbers. And all of a sudden there's an epiphany going on in the United States. And all of your Democratic colleagues are saying, well, you know, it's about time we do away with the masks and open things up, despite the fact that the numbers look no different than when they were calling for the for the masks. Yeah, I think I think it's heard Jim Jordan, but I'm sure others have said this as well. The science didn't change. The politics changed. The poll yeah. numbers changed. Um, listen, uh, early on when we didn't know what we were dealing with, I mean, I understand the caution. Yeah. And I'm really not very critical of, uh, you know, in hindsight, policies that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, got to give people a break. I, 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 I didn't envy people who had to make very tough decisions with, with limited and imperfect information. But I, I really do fault people that, that really weren't paying attention, that weren't following the science and just clung to their wrong decisions. Yeah. They just couldn't admit they were wrong. They're still clinging to it. You know, I, I held uh, hearings in November, December, 2020. Actually, my first one was in May where I had Pierre Corian talking about corticosteroids, which saved people's lives. You know, he was vilified for about eight weeks until a study came out after the May 20 hearing. Ooh, I guess corticosteroids do work. And then held hearings in November, December, uh, they were censored. You know, Pierre Corey came back, talked about ivermectin, uh, 8 million views on YouTube, that got pulled. Uh, so I think that's been our biggest blunder, where mm -hmm. we just ignored the cornucopia. And it's, I'm talking about a cornucopia of drugs, cheap, generic, widely available, that I'm thoroughly convinced work. I, I've referred enough people, followed their progress, heard just amazing results uh, as, you know, from early treatment. And of course, there, there's growing evidence of it. Uh, there's been hundreds of thousands of patients successfully treated with early treatment, but we didn't do that. No. I mean, two years in the pandemic, NIH guideline continues to be, if you, if you test positive, I mean, I'm sure why we're testing anymore, because if you test positive, you do nothing. You know, go home, isolate yourself, be afraid. You know, monoclonal antibodies was being recommended, but that's kind of the old virus. Yeah. They've the kind of been not available right now. So we still two years into this, we're not doing anything about the only thing that's been the only thing that's been recommended for either hospital or outpatient treatment are very expensive, patentable drugs. Yeah, they've just completely it's, it's because the playing field is completely tilted in the favor of big pharma. And yeah, I, my eyes are pretty wide open here. I, I think you've just seen the corruption of big pharma capturing the agencies and really pushing through their agenda. And my own personal belief, Josh, is I, I think hundreds of thousands of people died that didn't have to. Hmm. Well, how much of this does it alarm you that, I mean, the, the thing that stuck out the most about COVID experience to me was the combination of a, a government dictation about what's happening that evolves over time, right? As you said at the beginning, you can forgive some of that. As it, as it, as it stretches out, every, they're saying knowing falsehoods, but, but the Maybe the most concerning part to me as we look at where our society is, is that those those falsehoods were ironed in by the mainstream media, censored by all kinds of different platforms. And it made it so you almost couldn't think and say the things that you just said about treatment plans, about about any sort of other way to look at the disease than what was dictated by Dr. Fauci. That, to me, seemed like the biggest problem that we've had. And it's and it doesn't just impact COVID. So right. that's I guess that's my point. Is as we look, we go ahead. 
Yeah, well, we're up against right now. But let's, let's just use COVID because it's, it's a great example. So you have, I call them the COVID cartel. Uh, you have the Biden administration, you have the federal health agencies, you have the legacy media, you have the big tech social media giants. Okay, th th these are all people that are vilifying people like me, saying I'm spreading misinformation, although they'll never tell me what I have spread that isn't true. Um, they've got a narrative, they've got an approach. It's, it's vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. And by the way, I was a big supporter of Operation Warp Speed. I think vaccines make a lot of sense for the, for the vulnerable, but for little children, uh, particularly when no no one can tell you the long term safety profile of these right. of this new format, we we just can't. So when you don't know things, you should exercise caution. Uh, I, I'm staying on top of the Vayers report: uh, 1.1 million adverse events with COVID vaccines, 23,615 deaths reported on Vayers associated with the the COVID vaccine. That, by the way, compares to 77 deaths on average for the flu vaccine. 15 deaths on average for ivermectin, 70 deaths per year on average for hydroxychloroquine. And those are the drugs the FDA is trying to make you be afraid of. So anyway, they've recommended a certain course. They've sabotaged early treatment. They made people afraid of, and doctors in particular, because they might lose their, their, their licenses. So doctors won't touch early treatment drugs. So now that the body count is over 900,000 people, they can't afford to be proven wrong. I mean, the, 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 the worst thing for their reputations, okay, probably for their mental health would be inconclusive. I mean, or I mean, totally conclusive, 100% guaranteed, these things work. The things that you sabotage, the things that you kept off the table, the things that you denied doctors and patients in terms of use, if, if those, and I think they have been in, you know, conclusively proven to work, uh, but if like the rest of society agreed, I mean, what are these guys yeah. got to say about themselves? If I mean, it came the out that the most, most effective treatment was ivermectin, FDA would come down yeah. to the studs tomorrow, right? <laughs> so, so, so again, they, they can't afford to be proven wrong, but here's the real point. They have the power to make it almost impossible to prove them wrong. Hmm. They are the Biden administration, the healthcare agencies, the legacy media, big tech social giants. So that when you, you have a, like a Dr. Malone or Dr. Peter McCullough go on with Joe Rogan to have a three-hour conversation, uh, similar to my five-hour event that I held yeah. on the 24th, uh, you know, COVID-19, a second opinion. By the way, more than 2 million views on Rumble for the full, full five-hour event. Our 38-minute highlight reels up to about 1.3 million views on YouTube. I put it up on YouTube, assuming they were going to take it down. They haven't yet. So people want this information. Um, but you, you get people talking about this. People want that information, but they're still being vilified. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not and, like and that's the, the thing that that's, that's the thing that drives me nuts about it. It's like you know, the information is not torturous. It's information you do with it what you want. We're having a conversation right now, right? It's not like we have to agree or disagree with every piece of it in order for the information to be considered, right? Which is it's the it's the biggest problem I have with. With all of this, I gotta get I gotta get three questions for you because these are the ones that everybody listens to. Okay, uh, stuff they're gonna ignore. Yeah, all, 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 the, all the life saving tips ignored. <laughs> yeah, yeah give me your best shot. <laughs> that's that's one hundred percent right. So the first is Senator Johnson. If you could if you could plan your last meal on Earth, what would it be? Well, it's only be high calorie. 
It has yeah, to be. I guess like burger fries with a chocolate shake, a really big one. Nice there and thick. There you go. All right. All right. I didn't know because, well, it's you're an Adina guy originally, right? Weren't you weren't you a, a Adina high school guy? Yeah, but you shouldn't really mention that. Yeah, no, no, no. Because you very quickly chose Wisconsin, which is what I've always held against you. <laughs> Are you from Minnesota? Yeah, I'm a Minnetonka, Minnetonka person. Okay, I did not. A Minnesota, so you're Minnesotan. Yeah, Minnesotan. And the first time, the first time I met you, uh, I I'd heard that you were originally a Minnesotan. Very quickly turned against us, which uh, I'm sure your Wisconsinites appreciate that. But I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold a grudge. I now. don't. I don't hate the Vikings as much as I should. <laughs> I feel sorry for him, but I don't hate him. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, second question. If you didn't get into politics at all, right? And I know the easy answer to this is you just kept doing your successful business, which obviously was extremely successful and, and what you love to do. But let's let's take it out of that. If you had just a hole in your life that you'd never got into politics, what do you think you'd want to do with your life? Well, actually, it was what I was doing and almost led to politics. I really got involved on a volunteer basis in our education system. Oh, okay. first, first our Catholic school system, and I'm a Lutheran, but I got involved there to try and save that system, a private sector alternative to the public schools, and then got involved in the public school system too. We, we were the first uh, school district in, in Wisconsin that required financial literacy for graduation. We had something called the Academic Excellence Initiative. How do you teach more better, easier. Now, how do you use technology? We're still using an 18th century model of education. It's not working that well. So now I would probably go, you know, I would really continue to focus on, you know, how can we, how can, how can I bring my manufacturing skills, my, just my desire for continuous improvement, that this gets into your being when you're manufacturing, you always got to improve. Yeah. How do you bring continuous improvement into education? That's probably how what I would have done. That's fascinating. I, I remember that kind of being a thematic of your original 2010 campaign. I mean, some of the thought pattern that you had behind bringing sort of an education at the time we were dealing with incredible problems with people graduating college and not getting jobs. Right. And it seemed like you spoke to that in a, in a very specific way. Now I get it. Now I understand. That's that's great. Um, all right. Third and final question. What motivates Ron Johnson more? The thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? You know, really, it's the challenge of a problem. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I've worked all my life. I've never walked away from a problem. It's just, you know, I see a problem, I, I want to fix it. You know, <laughs> my, my kids weren't always that nuts about it, particularly my girls. But my wife finally looked at me one time after I tried solving my daughter's pro program. She left the car, you know, crying. And my wife looks at me and goes, you know, Ron, She's not looking at you to solve her problem. She just wants you to, you know, to say you're sort of here about your problem. I said, well, I wish you would have told me that 20 years ago. This could have been a lot easier. So I, I just have this, I guess, desire to solve problems. And it's just not, you know, whether, whether you solve it or not, you just got to try. And, you know, truthfully, that's why I'm running again. I, I, would, I, would, I would love to go home. I mean, you know how dysfunctional this place is. Dri drives a guy like me nuts. This place drives me nuts. I mean, I come from the private sector where there are functioning organizations where you witness excellence, you compete against excellence. And you come here and this is, I mean, this is so dysfunctional. So I, I <laughs> but, but in the final analysis, Josh, I couldn't walk away. I think our nation's in peril. Yeah. So it's, it's not about winning or losing for me. It's just like, okay, there's a, there's a serious problem and it's, it's with the country I love. It's, it's with this, Marvel, we call America. 
that, that, it, that is, it, it, there's no doubt about it. It's the greatest nation in the history of mankind. It's, it's here to preserve our freedom and allows Americans the freedom to dream and aspire and build and create. How, how can you walk away when, when that nation's in trouble? Yeah, that's really well said, Senator. Really well said. Tell us where we can go and help you because your election is absolutely integral, not just for everything that you're working on, but control of the Senate and everything else. If we don't have Wisconsin, we don't have Ron Johnson, we don't have a Senate majority. Where can people go to help you? It's Ron Johnson for Senate.com. I'll repeat it. Ron Johnson for Senate.com. I've already been outspent $13 million to $1 million. That's just a fact. Okay. Uh, they, they started spending money way before I'd even decided to run. But, you, you know, Josh, you know how grossly expensive these races. I mean, it grosses me out. I mean, I, 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 I hate it. OK, but I'm, I'm going to need a lot of help. So anything your listeners can do, ronjohnsonsenate.com. We're, we're doing Zoom call fundraisers. Uh, if you want to get on a Zoom call with, with me, with some of your, your wealthy buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we we don't run with the with the wealthiest crowd, but we travel in packs, Senator. We've read we travel in packs. <laughs> but, but but people are willing to contribute to the effort. Uh, I'm I'm happy to do that. But uh, Ron Johnson is where you sign up to do something like that. That's awesome. All right, listen. Thank you very much for joining us today, Senator. Good luck out there, and let's keep in touch. Had fun. Stay well. Take care. So I thought actually one of the most interesting parts of the interview was how he opened up when I I. I talked about how we all kind of know him. If you're not involved in politics, you would know Ron Johnson's name because the media's attempt to vilify him for pushing back on the Russia Gate uh, narrative, right? And so I, I I got into that. And but what he wanted to explain is like I didn't come to Washington to investigate anybody. I came for what you just said, John, uh, in the intro of this interview. I came to try to keep our finances under control, and my job was of oversight of these of these committees. And so investigations came with territory, right? It's not like he just sort of sought out to be a part of this. It was just my job. He took the job that was in front of him. Yeah. He took the job. And so that's what Midwestern people do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Great interview. And I love how he's so legit. Wisconsin is like Wisconsin. Oh yeah. The legit Wisconsin. The accent's real. Totally. He's very legit. Wisconsin. All right. Well, I think we did it. Absolutely. That was another banger of an episode, gentlemen. Uh, and again, thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, enjoying the live show. The, the, the feedback from that is incredible. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>